Welcome to CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. I'm your host, Brandi Mabra. This is your one-stop shop to learn the business side of your practice on a deeper level. On this show, we empower you to own your CEO status to scale your practice for growth, sustainability, and profit. Listen in as we talk about how to market your practice to gain more visibility, hire, build, and engage your ride-or-die dream team, create streamlined operations, and make financial decisions as a CEO. It's time to show up as a confident leader to create a practice in life you love. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. It's your host, Brandy Mabra. I cannot wait to dive into today's conversation. So we're going to be talking about the million dollar practice team and it's interesting to see, especially working with folks as their practice is growing, the mindset shifts that need to happen. It's really fun to watch when folks start to say like, oh, I think I need to hire someone for marketing or, oh, I think I need to go ahead and hire someone to handle like the operation side of my practice or the clinical side of my practice. And so today's episode is all about what you need to do to set yourself up team-wise for that million-dollar practice. Now, for my beginning owners, I want you to look at these positions more or less like job duties, right? And so in the beginning, as I always say, you are the one doing everything. So you are doing marketing operations, like all the admin, clinical stuff, all of it. However, as your practice continues to grow, you will want to look at these specific positions in job duties as do I maybe need to hire version 1.0 of this, right? And so we'll talk about growth. We'll talk about how the positions transition as the practice grows, all of that good stuff. But it's important for you to understand that I'm not going to tell you to go out and hire a practice manager when you're only in the solo space, right? Um, So just to put this into some context and to make sure that you understand how this is affecting you compared to the more advanced owners, who are definitely past that six figure mark, you know, now scaling to seven. And definitely if you are already at seven figures, these positions, you definitely need to start to pay attention to. So I always like to put like some preference around what I'm talking about. So that way, you know, oh, this episode really applies to me, or you can take the gems from it for how you can implement it where you are at in your stage of business growth. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive in. So one of the biggest mistakes I see one of the biggest mistakes I see is private practice owners not not changing their business model and team structure as their practice grows, right? So you keep the same responsibilities on your plate despite your practice getting busier, your revenue growing, and the practice becoming more complex to manage. This will only lead to burnout. And I don't want you in a place of being in burnout city, you know? And so it's important for you to understand that as your practice is growing, that CEO mindset has to shift. That's why my biggest message is own your CEO status, definitely paying attention to you are forming a company, right? And so you're not just creating a job for yourself. This is a company. The quicker that you can understand that and the quicker that you step into that, things will become so much easier for you. I promise, right? Because you're going to look at things from a high level. You're going to make the time to look at things from a high level. You're not just going to create this hostage situation where everything is reliant on you or maybe you're a bottleneck 
Um, and so as your practice evolves, there is a balance to this, right? The one thing I want to make sure that I am speaking to very much is that you might need a certain position, but maybe your practice isn't in the position to bring that position on financially, if that makes sense. So let's say that you are in a place where I need to hire X position, but the money isn't lining up right for me to bring in this person. What do you do? Right. And so this is where having the right financial partners is so important, making sure that you are saving for the positions that you know that you need to hire for, making sure that you are setting yourself up for success. Right. And so this is why as a CEO, you're always looking at things from a proactive approach compared to reactive. Oftentimes when we get ready to hire, we are in a place of desperation. We haven't like we didn't pick up on the signs you know when you're working the early mornings the late nights the weekends maybe you were supposed to have the weekend off but you decided to work on saturday maybe you decided to work on sunday maybe you decided to work past you know five maybe to seven maybe you decided to start early you know 5 a.m and so you want to make sure that you're picking up on those signs anytime as your practice is growing if you are in a really great space where things make sense and then all of a sudden you're starting to recognize like, oh, I'm having to do more or I'm more tired or this is feeling really hard. Like you wanna make sure that you're now paying attention to, it's probably time for me to bring in some help and what does that help look like? I'm a really big fan of being proactive when it comes to job descriptions, you know, planning the next, the next hire, right? And so for example, one of my seven figure clients is, you know, we are mapping out like, what does that look like for eight figures, right? So we just hired a clinical operations manager and in that position, knowing that this person is kind of a working role, um, they're doing clinical seeing clients and patients, but also paying attention to the operations for the practice, right? And so as we dive into this, we're going to talk to leadership teams and structures in some ways that you can maybe get more bang for your buck when it comes to these positions, especially as you're growing. However, one of the things I know to be true is that it sounds good. It's a clinical operations manager. However, that person is still actively working. So if we are looking at you as the practitioner and you are actively working, and then now you have a, a business that you have to manage, you're essentially hiring somebody to do the exact same thing that you were doing. And then eventually they're gonna work themselves out of a job. So for that next hire, we've already, we already know what that person is going, like that position title, what that person's going to do in order to make sure that we've hired this person, but there's also the plan for when that person gets busy and needs to fully pull out from seeing clients and patients and just needs to focus on the practice operationally compared to getting to that place where now this person that you've hired who's supposed to take a lot off your plate is busy and now you're trying to hire in the midst of the busyness, right? And so you have to recognize that each person that you're bringing on your team is replacing you in some type of capacity you know, because you are now taking the job responsibilities that you were doing and delegating them to a person. You have to pay attention to what is going to happen once you hire that person and where that breaking point is for that person. So that way you are prepared, that person is prepared for the next hire, right? So it's always like, who's the person I need to hire next? And 
oftentimes, especially as entrepreneurs, we're just, again, in that day-to-day, in the weeds, just getting from one day to the next day and not paying attention to who's that next hire. Am I ready for that next hire? Do I have the job description for that next hire? Um, And making sure that you're setting yourself up for success. So what does all this mean? (laughs) What does all this mean? What does all this mean? So the goal of this conversation is I don't want you to lose money, right? I want to make sure that you are setting yourself up for success. I want you to not work so many hours, right? I want you to be in a place where you can choose the hours that you work, where you can choose on if you want to continue to see clients and patients. You can choose on, you know, how you're showing up in the practice. And it's all about choice. That's why I love talking about the million dollar practice. So when you have a healthy and thriving seven-figure practice, there are distinct positions that you need with quality and skilled team members in order for you to fully step into that CEO role. I want to repeat that, quality and skilled team members. One of the things that I say as you're hiring is you are always hiring based on culture fit, skill set, and strengths. What I see in this space is, well, my friend's best friend is a good fit. So let me go ahead and head and hire my friend's best friend. They seem like a good fit, but they don't necessarily have the experience maybe that you need, or they don't have the strengths that you need for that position. You get them on board and they're not truly a culture fit. So if you are going to hire anybody that might be close to you, you want to still make sure that you're putting them through the proper interview process. You're still doing due diligence. Like these are small businesses, but you don't have to be small minded. So let's dive into the five types of positions and responsibilities that you need for your team when building a million dollar practice. The first position is admin, right? And so admin slash operations, and I'll talk through this a bit, but essentially admin is for someone to take all the burden off of you when it comes to your administrative task so when i think about admin i think about scheduling i think about following up with clients and patients i think about depending on their skills and their strengths billing i think about the money piece i think about operations helping to document policy and procedures when it comes to operations all of the stuff that can get in the way in the beginning of you seeing clients and patients. For this particular position, one of the things I feel people miss when they hire an admin, especially if you're hiring outside of an agency, is the opportunity for this person to be promoted into an office manager or a practice manager, or depending on how long they're with your practice, even like a COO. The goal is because they're starting out baseline from an entrepreneur's perspective, they're starting out baseline learning all the day-to-day operations of the practice right and so as this person evolves and as this person grows it's a really good opportunity for you to help them move through the changes as the practice continues to grow from an operational standpoint like when we're in the beginning it's just like i need a va or i just need an admin but i believe that when you're interviewing for this person you want to see do you want to grow in your career what are your aspirations do they have leadership qualities are they familiar with healthcare? like all of that allows for you to bring in somebody that is going to enhance the practice and grow with you at the baseline, they should be getting admin task off your plate. 
right? But in a more advanced practice, that person is going to, their responsibilities are going to evolve and they should evolve, right? And so when I think about admin, I automatically think operations, automatically. The second position would be financial slash billing. And the reason why is because in a practice, as we know, the biggest part of how the money comes in the door is through the services that you're providing. So if you are taking payers, if you're part of panels, insurance panels, that billing aspect is so huge, right? And so what I find is that practice owners will make shift this position and your money is the lifeline of your practice. It's one of the positions you wanna take the most serious. So in the beginning, when you first start to see folks, then there's the billing piece. If you're on panels, if you are cash pay, then it's essentially you're sending invoices, collecting money, hopefully money ahead of time. When it comes to appointments, I often see, and if this is you, where maybe you're providing the service and then you're trying to collect the money behind the scenes, don't do that. <laughs> like, don't do that. This is, we're going to go off tangent a little bit. If you are in a place where you need to collect co-pays, outstanding balances, you want to do that before you even provide the service, right? Contractually, if you are in network, you're supposed to collect co-pays. You're supposed to collect deductibles. There are owners that I've seen where they feel bad about the copay or they think because they're getting paid for a bigger lump of money for the actual service, they don't collect that. Don't do that. Contractually, you have to collect copays and deductibles if you are in network with an insurance. If you are cash pay, I want you to look at the money coming in the door before you provide the service. And those are just best practices. Right. So I see on the other side of this, especially sometimes when it comes to like sliding fee, I'll go ahead and do the service and then bill after. I want you to get in the habit of billing ahead of time. So regardless of what camp you're in, team cash pay or team insurance or the hybrid in between, before you provide the service, I want you to always be in the habit of collecting that money before the service. So that's number one. When it comes to the financial reporting piece, then you want a CPA, you want a, if not a CPA, a bookkeeper. My school of thought is if you can get someone who can help you with both, that's a game changer, right? So someone who can do your taxes and also help keep you on track with your books. Why do I say this? Because when it comes to a practice, especially once you get past six figures, especially once you still have like multiple thousands of dollars coming in the door, you need a higher skill set for strategy when it comes to the money piece to help you keep track of maybe outlying or money that hasn't come in the door yet or money that is still like part of that ar that still needs to come into the door so being able to help you keep up with all of that a savvy financial partner will be able to do right compared to your basic cpa who just does taxes you're shortchanging yourself or just a bookkeeper who is all just going through and just categorizing all your expenses so the more sophisticated that your money partner can be or is the better off you'll be when it comes to billing you want to think about who needs to be the one to do your billing. What I find is that owners will take this on for themselves. And yes, when it comes to EHRs, they do have built-in 
intelligence to help you with this. They keep track of if there's things that maybe need to change, like if there's a subscriber ID that needs to be entered or date of birth might be off or sometimes they'll bring in knowledge if a payer changes something maybe however if you are finding yourself with getting a lot of denials or having to send back collected claims then you need to bring in either a billing specialist or you need to partner with a really strong and i'm going to emphasize really strong because i know that there's a lot of crazy billing vendors out there to help you with some of this because even though the ehr system is helping you and even though the ehr is like your friend from a billing perspective this is what i find you might leave money on the table because especially if you have multiple providers multiple providers have coding habits i've worked with tons of them in different specialties. I can speak to the fact every provider has their comfort level of what they're going to say. This is this ENM code, right? This is what I did today. It doesn't necessarily mean that the documentation is going to back up what they're coding. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't need to code for something higher. So you either way, you're leaving money on the table or you're over coding compared to putting what the documentation like the documentation isn't matching the code or you need to add something like an additional modifier or additional code so that way you can actually get paid for the work that's happening during that visit and so from a billing perspective as easy as we want to make it sound there are complexities to it that you do need to pay attention to, that you need to be savvy enough to understand and not just fully relying on yourself and your skill set, but to understand that there this is an actual expertise and not to, I guess, make it seem so simple, right? And so that's what I see in the space and it's always concerning. The other thing too, is that you have a lot on your plate. So if you're not able to send invoices on time, if you're not able to get to the billing, you know, I've had owners where they're like a month behind because they're busy. They have a lot of other stuff going on. And so remember your money, this financial bucket is so important and it amazes me that people show up to it without paying attention to the seriousness that's in it. So yes technology can definitely enable us you want to make sure that you're putting yourself in a position again to have strong financial partners whether if it's a billing specialist a billing vendor or your cpa cfo so that way you know that the money is right that when you look at that pnl is the best pnl there is from a billing perspective again speaking of those who are taking panels or just for those who are billing so if you are sending invoices after the fact, weeks after the fact, that's not good. You want everything to be done within that month, right? So right now we're in August. By the end of August, all the services that have been done, you would like to have that money showing reflective of that. From a claims perspective, yes, there's gonna be a lag. However, all those claims should be sent for everyone that you've seen in this month. A efficient revenue cycle, best practice, is that an efficient revenue cycle is within 30 days, right? So that means from the time that you see the person to the time that money comes in the door, everything is happening within that 30 days. If that is not the case, if there's lag time, if there's delays, that's only hurting you financially, right? You have bills you have to pay, you have payroll, you have things you need to do. The other thing is managing money, it's a skill set. Like that's why it's a whole degree. That's why people have accounting degrees. So 
don't negate the seriousness because you can do it or because you can push the button. It doesn't necessarily mean that you should, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean that because the task is done, you've done it right. There's not an opportunity to enhance it. So you want to make sure that you're savvy enough to understand this and then also making sure that you have the right partners and paying attention to what's happening. That's my rant for the financial piece because there's just so much stuff that I see that I'm like, wow, okay. You know, and so it doesn't surprise me when folks start to say like, oh, I was losing money. The person wasn't categorizing the expenses correctly. The person was taking money from me because this financial piece, you can get away with it. Again, you can get away with a lot in the beginning, but once you start having more money come in the door, once you start to have multiple thousands of dollars coming in the door, that is your sign that you need to start to have somebody else help you with this, or you need to learn more about it. If you're just adamant, like this is going to stay on my plate, learn about it, right? Because you want to make sure that everything that you're doing in your practice is the most efficient and the most effective at the end of the day. That's always the goal. The next position is clinical. And for most practices, there's always two realms. There's the admin realm and the clinical realm. And when you're thinking about a practice, they have to work together right? Because that patient and client goes through that whole cycle. They go through the admin part of it. They go through the clinical part of it. What I find is oftentimes these two are disconnected because you're the owner, you're the practitioner starting out. That clinical piece is what you're going to gravitate towards. The admin piece or the operations piece is kind of foreign, right? But they need to be together. They need to mesh together. And what that looks like is as you are growing your practice, you need to have a, clin a strong clinical lead, somebody who can help you man that. Because you have a clinical background doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the clinical go-to. I recommend, especially as the practice grows, that you move towards having a clinical director or a clinical team leader or a clinical coordinator, somebody to help with the coordination of that clinical piece, especially if you have multiple providers especially if you have a panel size that's growing, because at this point in time, you're going to have to start to pay attention to policy and procedures, clinical guidelines, making sure how the practice runs from a care perspective is on point. So having someone clinical to for you to partner with helps with that. There's levels to it though. What I see in the space is oftentimes people are like real quick to hire a clinical director. And that's great, especially if you have, I would say like 10 plus providers, but if you are less than 10 providers, I would love for you to think about, do I just need a clinical lead? So as you're bringing folks into your practice clinically, start to pay attention to, does this person have a strong leadership skill set? Are they good with certain activities when it comes to that operations piece, because you still have operations that happen clinically. So for example, one of my clients, she had a provider who loves policy and procedures, loves policy and procedures. So that's her go-to person to help write clinical guidelines and policy procedures clinically, right? So you want to look for characteristics like that within your team to make your life easier and for you to have an additional person to delegate. So anytime we're talking about hiring, anytime we're talking about team, we're always wanting to create experts. That's always the goal. You want to hire an expert, but you want to enhance their expertise 
in order to help you more as the CEO. So with that clinical side, if you hire them as a clinical lead or you start to rely on them as a clinical lead, that natural progression will be to move towards a clinical director. And if you hire that clinical director, then you wanna make sure that you are leveraging that clinical director where if it comes to complaints or things are off or there are certain clinical initiatives, like that person's gonna help you with all of that. Next position is leadership. As you have a leadership team, this is usually, this can look like you as a CEO, a COO, with, which is a chief operating officer. It can look like your clinical director or your clinical lead. It can look like a practice manager or an office manager, office coordinator. All of these titles and positions are leadership. As your leadership team grows, you are the one who sets the tone for your leadership team, right? Because they are there doing they're your advocate, right? They're there implementing, they're the boots on the ground. They're the ones who are making sure that your vision comes to life, but it starts with you. One of the biggest mistakes that I see, and even though we always talk to, you know, I want your practice to run without you. One of the biggest mistakes that I see is that someone brings in a leadership person and then forgets that they're the one who has to set the tone for that leadership person. Like you still have to direct and guide them. It's a really great example that I heard was that the leadership person that you have in place is essentially the cruise, the cruise control. So they're the ones who are kind of just driving, driving, but you are the GPS. So you're the ones who are telling them, like where to go, right? As a CEO, you're the one who's telling them like, hey, this is what our mission is. This is what our vision is. And they're moving towards that. These leadership teams go awry when the CEO either becomes distracted, it doesn't have clarity for the vision, isn't a good leader, isn't comfortable in that leadership. Everything goes like goes awry. So as your leadership team develops, it's so important for you to recognize everything still starts with you and everything still ends with you. And if something happens within that leadership team, if they mess up, if they do something wrong, if they're not leading that team, that ultimately does fall on you. So a couple of recommendations is you want to pay attention to at your stage of growth, who do you need on that leadership team? You don't want to be so top heavy before you're ready where you lose sight of what's happening within your practice. And so where you have more say sowers than doers, because that can happen really easily, very easily. And it's oftentimes where you're looking at money coming in, you put these people in place and then there's nobody to make sure that the vision is on point and you're moving in the direction that you really need to go where there's not enough execution is what I'm trying to say. I've been hired for multiple organizations where they're so top heavy, it looks good, it sounds good, but that practice isn't necessarily profitable because they're putting so much money in overhead. That practice necessarily isn't moving in the direction that they wanna go because there's, you know, we're having these leadership team meetings, but nothing's happening, right? So there's a balance to this and there's timing to this too. So from a leadership perspective, a strong leadership team, especially as you're kind of in that mid stage. So where you've hired multiple providers, you need you as a CEO, you need a operations person or someone who's paying attention to the operations, and then you need someone clinically. So that's like a, a really, really strong leadership team 
where now you're paying attention to both aspects, both the admin side and the clinical side. One of the clients that I work with, what we did was we just hired a clinical operations manager. And even with that hire, it's great to have because it's kind of like the best of both worlds. But at some point in time, that person is going to be worked out of that position, right? And so they're still going to need somebody who can look at things clinically and somebody who is still paying attention operationally, because remember, it's all together, right? So when you think about that full cycle of everything that's happening in your practice, it's all impacted. So if one side is really strong and the other side is faulty, you're going to feel it. You're going to notice it. So I've worked in practices and have helped build practices where admin wise, we're really great. You know, that, that operations for the administrative, perfect clinical side, we're really weak. So you usually notice that where care isn't the way that it needs to be. Quality isn't where it needs to be. There might be delay in client follow-up. There's maybe some struggles, maybe between the clinical team that isn't addressed. Um, so all of that are signs that something is off the admin side. When there's problems with that, people can't get scheduled, right? Money isn't being, uh, collected or the billing is off, right? So all those things can be signs that something is wrong administratively. So you have to pay attention to both. And that's part of the leadership's team is to talk to each other. They can cover for each other, which is really nice. So especially if you're out and wanting to, you know, take time off. They can cover for each other. They can help cover for you. So it's as the practice evolves, it, it becomes a really nice sense of harmony. But you have to make sure, too, that you're very clear on who is doing what, what their responsibilities are, who's leading what. Because, again, I've seen where there's like too many people. One of the things I've noticed is like office managers and practice managers before the practice is even ready. And it's like, OK, what's the goal? You know, so I think a practice manager is more appropriate when you have, I would say at least maybe 15 plus providers, maybe multiple locations. And now you need somebody that is filtering right underneath you, almost like in that COO capacity where they're looking at everything, right? And then you have those clinical directors or that office manager now reporting up to that person. But if you're not there yet and you implement that model, it's just gonna be extra work for your team and you don't necessarily need it yet. So that's one of the things to definitely pay attention to when it comes to leadership. When it comes to marketing, which is the last position we're gonna talk about, it's interesting because I feel in today's time when I think about marketing or when I talk about marketing, everyone like jumps to social media. <laughs> so, or like posting on social media. And when it comes to marketing, actually a marketing position is a very strong position to have. I have always had a marketing director, like throughout my career, I got very spoiled. And then when I started my, my own business, I was like, dang, I wish I had a marketing person because a marketing person can help coordinate things when it comes to social media, when it comes to online marketing or offline marketing. So like community events, making sure that you have a, a really strong community presence, making sure that you are being involved in certain maybe initiatives when it comes to the practice, making sure that you are keeping the brand out and about and people are seeing it. The version 1.0 of this does look like maybe hiring someone to help you with social media or hiring someone to maybe do some grassroots marketing for you 
but that position can evolve all the way up into a marketing manager or a marketing director. It can help really expand your brand, right? So a marketing position, if you've hired a really good marketing person, that marketing person is going to help make you more money, right? So that is, in my opinion, a marketing position is a revenue generating position, but you have to leverage that person to make sure it's a revenue generating position, right? So if you hire somebody who isn't creative when it comes to marketing or who doesn't understand messaging or who doesn't understand what it takes to get the, the practice out there, that's not a good marketing person, right? They should be creative enough to say, oh, let's do this to get folks into the practice or, oh, let's participate in this because it's going to give us more exposure, right? They can even help with hiring too, because when you are hiring a team, I was just talking about this earlier today with a client, it's a marketing effort, right? So there's no longer where I'm just posting a position and I'm just going to let it sit and everybody's going to come to me. Essentially, it's like, how can I get this position in as many places as possible for folks to know that we're hiring, right? And so you want to make sure that you're paying attention to all the activities and this is why exposure is so important because when you do post for a position if no one knows about you then it makes it harder to get a good candidate in the door or to get good people who want to work for you compared to if you have a brand and a practice that is doing involved in so many different ways then that's going to make it easier for you to draw in folks who want to work for the practice, have stronger candidates, have stronger team members. So it's really important, right? And so one of the things I want you to definitely recognize, all of these things are connected within the practice. So if one of these areas is deficient or isn't efficient or effective, you're going to feel it, right? You will feel it. So these are the five positions that I know for a million dollar practice becomes more important and especially as you're growing in revenue. So once you hit seven figures, once you're at 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, 5 million, we're gonna talk real big, then these positions become even more important. But I want you to understand just at baseline what's going into them again. So just to review, admin, this is the potential for operations, right? So when we think about this position, this person can actually be promoted to an operations manager, a practice manager, office manager, office coordinator type person. And even if they, you go all the way up, could even be your COO if you groom them right. Your financials is a combination of your financial partner. So that would be your CPA or if a really strong bookkeeper, CFO, and also your billing right if you're taking insurance so that would be a billing specialist or a billing vendor if you get to a place where just to talk real real big if you get to a place where you have multiple locations and multiple different types of providers then you might have a few different billing people and you might need to move into a billing manager really so that's the financial piece position number three is clinical right so recognizing as you're hiring providers as you're bringing in clinical team getting a feel for who's the leader you know who is stepping up who has some expertise that i can tap into right from a clinical side to make sure that that clinical side is running smoothly so it's not always automatically a clinical director you can start off as a clinical lead and then work your way up to a clinical director but you need somebody who can kind of help with the organization of that side to complement you and your expertise and again you you're able to set the tone for that the next position is leadership. So this would be 
part of your leadership is yes, your clinical director, but also like your practice manager, office manager, operations manager, the COO, you know, you as the CEO, all of that falls into leadership. And remembering that any good leadership team is a combination, a really strong combination of clinical and admin, right? And they have to mesh well. So, and even if you have a strong person clinically, they still, and they need to be strong operationally. And if you have a strong operations person, they still need to understand the clinical side, right? They need to be on board with each other. So for me, I understand the business side of a practice, but I have an appreciation for the clinical side as well, because I have a clinical background, right? So when you're hiring, you wanna make sure that you have a combination of both and that folks respect both sides of the practice. And then that fifth position is marketing. So making sure that you're paying attention to what's our marketing strategy? How are we getting the practice out into the community? How are we making a bigger impact? What are some of the tactics that this person is doing? Version 1.0, it might be like, okay, we're starting with social media, right? And then that person needs to definitely be in a place to do grassroots marketing, to do events, to be part of, you know, establishing like referral networks, like all of those things can fall into that marketing bucket. From a online perspective, this could be where you are now doing podcast interviews or you are connecting with folks virtually. Um, blogs is, is another thing that's coming up for me. Like all those things can kind of fall into like the marketing territory. So those are your five positions for a million dollar practice. So regardless, at the end of the day, you need a team of experts by your side. I'd like baseline team of experts, people who are bringing something to the table that make your life easier. If your team members are not making your life easier, if you were in a place where I could, I wish I could just start over and rehire, then that's a red flag. So there will be some building that you have to do. Even if you hire someone who has experience, you're still grooming them essentially maybe for that next phase of growth or you're teaching them something new, or maybe they wanna learn something new. I know for healthcare folks, like most times we're very ambitious, right? So we wanna make sure that we're always grooming and always talking to what their specific growth plans are and where they want to be at. It's so important, but you want to build your ride or die dream team. That's truly what this conversation is about. You wanna show up in your hiring with intention and strategy and so that way you can set your practice up for success. So here is your homework for this episode. I want you to sit back and think about your team. Is your team in alignment with your mission? Is your team in alignment with your vision? If they are, great. What are they doing? And what would be the next stage of growth for them in order to get the practice to the next level? If not, why? Like, what's the gap? Like, what is missing? So that's team. That is team. So thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to show up as an empowered private practice CEO. Speaking of private practice CEO, if you didn't hear, my signature CEO school for private practice owners is now open for enrollment for our next cohort. Private Practice CEO is designed for six-figure practice owners who want to learn the business side of their practice on a deeper level. If you have aspirations of scaling your practice to seven figures, this program is for you. Go to SavvyClover.com slash Private Practice CEO or see the show notes to learn more and apply. 
Inside the program, we teach you, mentor you, and empower you to lead your practice with confidence, make more money, create efficient operations, hire, grow, and lead your ride or die dream team, and market your practice in a bigger way. This program is loaded. You get on-demand and live business and leadership training, one-on-one and group CEO strategy calls, time-saving tools and resources, job descriptions, policy procedures, marketing scripts, plus our luxury CEO retreat called Own Your CEO Status, not to mention our fabulous intimate community of private practice owners. Right now, if you apply before August 30th, you get access to a bonus VIP day with me and preferred pricing. Get ready to dive into your practice to strategize and make massive movement. If this sounds like a good fit for you, go ahead and apply today.